0: Thank you for joining us for the lessons from First Nas Podcast. One more announcement and then I'll be, I'll be all announced out. And uh, that's just a reminder that at 6 a.m. on Thursday mornings this month, you can connect via Zoom to a prayer time. And so the link is on our digital bulletin, which you can find at uh, firstnaz.com slash this week. Or you can get to it by going just to firstnaz.com. Click on this this week, and there is um, a link to our six a.m. Zoom prayer time. If you need help setting up Zoom, uh, Reagan Garner has uh, volunteered to show up at your house and, and set up Zoom. <laughs> she uh, she didn't know that she had volunteered, but uh, so if you seriously if you do need help setting up zoom do call the church office we'll we'd be glad to help you figure it out pastor bill is an expert zoomer and uh and i can help too if if so needed and the the link is also on facebook you can find it on facebook right before it shows up uh, 15 minutes before or it shows up the night before on facebook so remember 6 a.m prayer this week uh i'm going to be be walking through a practice of the spiritual reading of scripture and so we'll be doing that for about half an hour and you won't be called on to pray you may be called on to to read from scripture but uh we'll just it's a it's fairly um reflective and directed by me and and so if you if you would just like to join me for for a quiet time in the lord's presence on at 6 a.m on thursday you're welcome and if that's like midway through your day and you're already at work for for a few hours by six in the morning, sorry, log in and just like leave it on, on mute, or not on mute, leave your camera off and mute your own microphone and you can listen in and join us. I am in the middle of preaching about Jesus showing up after he raised from the dead. So there's these handful of stories in the Gospels about Jesus showing up, uh, after he, he had been uh, raised from the dead, before he ascended into heaven. And so in the Gospels, there's, there's a number of these stories, and I'm going to share this morning from John chapter 21. This is maybe, this is a, a really cool one of these stories. I can't say a favorite because they're all cool. They're all interesting to me, and uh, I, I'm trying not to, to totally geek out this morning. Um, this is my Mother's Day present to my own mother, uh, to not totally geek out. And so I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm really intrigued by these stories. I'm intrigued by the way that that uh, Jesus behaves during this time. I'm really curious about where he was so much of the time that he seems like he's just unaccounted for between his resurrection and his ascension. And these are all just questions I have no answers to. And so I just ask them and, and hope that they keep you awake at night wondering, where was Jesus between his <laughs> resurrection and his ascension, Alyssa says that probably doesn't happen to many people. So this morning, though, I'm looking at at the story of Jesus talking to Peter on the beach uh, and asking him, "Do you love me?" And so to get there, I'm going to take a long. I'm going to take a long ways to get there. I have lots of time, so just just relax. We'll be done by two this afternoon. No problem at all uh and so just uh i'm going to take a long time getting to the story and then really i don't have a lot to say about the story itself like the story just kind of it's there and then and then i have a little bit of application for you and point out the things that i think we can take away from this so So this is, John chapter 21 is is where I'm at, but before I get to John chapter 21, I have to go back and talk about Peter. Peter is like the most relatable character in the Gospels, right? I think no matter how buttoned up somebody appears from the outside, no matter how much it seems like somebody has it all together, we all feel inside, in our hearts, a little bit like, um, excuse the, uh, the pop culture reference that nobody will get, but like a Katy Perry song. Like, we all, we're all hot and we're cold. We're all black and white, and we're all, like, sorry, nobody else remembers that song from, like, 15. Hey, there's what, I see that hand. Uh, So, deep down inside, no matter how, how with it, it seems like a person is, we all, in our own hearts, we all, in our own hearts, we have this This sort of feeling we kind of know inside of us how how we don't always have it all together and how we like maybe sometimes we feel like we almost get it all together and then ah, we blow it again or we like we do the right thing but in the back of our mind the whole time we're like gritting our teeth and it's so hard for us to do the right thing or we want to do the right thing so badly, but we end up doing the wrong thing uh, and and we all can relate to this sort of Peter experience where peter it seems like in the gospels he he only opens his mouth to switch feet right he like puts his foot in his mouth, and then he he talks again to put his foot in his mouth again, and he just he over and over again is he 's up and down, so the very first time that uh, Peter encounters jesus there's there's a story in luke chapter 5 where where peter encounters jesus and the first thing he says to to jesus he gets down on his knees and he says please go away from me i am too sinful to be around you peter has this like deep internal sense of his unworthiness to be a follower of jesus and so jesus still for whatever reason calls him Peter is the one that goes in in one moment from being like on top of understanding perfectly who Jesus is to the very next minute. Like there's no time that passes between him saying, "You are the Son of God, uh, the Messiah, God's only Son," to uh, Jesus, "You can't die." And Jesus saying, "Get behind me, Satan!" Like that happens like that, right? In the in the story of Jesus of Peter. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, we get a sense of Jesus's feeling of how important Peter is. And I might, I might make some people mad uh, right now, but I'm just going to, I'm going to highlight a story that talks about how important Peter is, and I, and I understand, well, I'll get into it. So Peter, Peter in Matthew 16, he, he makes this very clear confession of who Jesus is. He says, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. To which Jesus responds then in Matthew 16, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. Now, pause. Uh, Peter, if we were to take the Greek name Peter and translate it into modern English, but like without translating it, it's petros is the like kind of how it sounds. And if you put it in its context, uh, like with the vocabulary that, that was spoken, it's, it would be the name Rocky. It would remind us of rock, right? It would remind us of like granite. Um, and so like Jesus says, you are Rocky. And then he says, uh, and on this rock, I will build my church. Okay, so I don't want to overstate Peter's importance. I don't want to overstate it, but let's just look for a moment. We Protestants, we translate this to mean, or we understand this to mean, we interpret this passage to mean that the rock that, that Jesus is talking about are the words that Peter has just said. I think that's totally legitimate. I think that's probably right, that, that Peter is, is, has said the words that are foundational for Jesus' church. So he said these words that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that is foundational. But our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters have taken it to mean the person. They read it more literally. They they read Jesus saying, you are Rocky, and on Rocky, I'm going to found my church. And so they, they call Peter the first pope. They say that he is the foundation of the church. Well, I don't think that any, well, I don't think that I am ready to say that Peter as a person is the foundation of the church. I'm not, that's a step too far for me. But I'm not ready to say then that Peter is unimportant in the church. Peter is is incredibly important. If we look at the rest of the gospels, and especially once we start looking into the book of Acts, especially when we look at the church after Jesus has has ascended to heaven and given his Holy Spirit to the church, Peter is exceptionally important in the history of the early church. He preaches one of the most important messages in the history of the early church in Acts chapter 2. He is on the forefront first of inviting Gentiles, you and me, into the church, and then being Peter, he kind of does a 180 on that, and for a while he fights against it. And then he gets corrected and then he's he's on the right page again and, and fighting again for for God's call of all people, not just the Jews, to be a part of the church. So Peter is exceptionally important in the early church. And as we look through the gospels, we see Peter being one of the three most important and closest disciples of Jesus. If ever there is a council of just a few disciples, if Jesus is looking for his most important guys, Peter's one of them. Peter is always right there. Peter, We know more about Peter from, from the Gospels than we know about any other disciple because he is, among the disciples, he's kind of the, the top dog. He's kind of the number one, the number one person. He, he is important. He was important to Jesus. He was important to the early church so i 'm not saying that we need to like venerate peter we don't need to we don't need to put him in a position that he doesn't belong, but we need to recognize he is important in in uh, in the church and he was very important to jesus and so uh, to to get a sense of peter's character and who Peter was the night that Jesus was betrayed is like the clearest picture. If we walk through the events of the night that Jesus was betrayed before he was crucified, we get like the, it puts a really fine point on just how, how up and down, uh, how hot and cold Peter was. Because that night began with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It began with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And in John, we read, in John chapter 13, we read this story where Peter, Jesus is going around with a towel wrapped around his waist. He goes around the table and he washes the disciples' feet. And he gets to Peter and Peter says, are you going to wash my feet? And and, uh, Peter says, of course, or Jesus says, of course, I'm going to wash your feet. Peter says his exact words are, you will never, ever wash my feet. And the New Living Translation puts an exclamation point right there. Like, this is, no way, (laughs) not going to happen, Jesus. And then Jesus says, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And then immediately, Peter's response is, oh, okay, well, not just my feet, wash my head and my hands as well. So Peter is just like, no, never, yes, all of me and you know that's just how peter is it's just so peter it's it's what he does and then after the meal uh he, jesus talks about how he was going away he talks about how he's going away and peter gets a little annoyed he says jesus you need to take me with you don't you know i am ready to die for you and and uh Jesus scoffs. Jesus scoffs. He says, uh, Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Before we get to the denial part of the evening, there is a scene in the garden where Jesus goes away to pray, and uh, the, the folks come to arrest him. And folks come to arrest Jesus, they're, they're gathering around, and Peter gets so filled with passion uh, at his desire to defend Jesus and not let anything bad happen to Jesus that he takes out a sword and he slashes off the right ear of the high priest's uh, slave. His name is Malchus. We read about it in John 18. And Jesus, Jesus told him, put your sword back in its sheath. Put your sword back in its sheath. He says, shall I not drink from this cup of suffering the Father has given me? So Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was coming his way. And uh, he had told Peter, you're not ready. I'm ready. And And then Peter even... Even after hearing how unready he is, Peter is like set to prove, he's set to prove I will die for you and he takes out his sword and starts a fight, right? And that's not a fight that's going to end real well because there's a bunch of armed guards around and people with torches and Peter is ready to start that fight. He's ready. And to prove it, he pulls out his sword, he strikes the first blow. Um, So, very shortly down the page then, uh, after, after being so filled with passion and ready to, to start a fight that's not going to end well, Jesus, uh, Jesus is taken to the high priest's house. He's taken to the home of the high priest, and there's a, there's a big courtyard um, in, in the high priest's house, and Peter, Peter knows that he can go in, and he can kind of follow Jesus, so as he's going into the courtyard of the high priest's house, he goes through the gate, and there's a woman at the gate, and the woman says, "Hey, I know you. You're one of you're one of his that guy's disciples that just got brought in." And Peter says, "No, I am not." Denial number one. Uh, very shortly after that, Peter. It's cold. It's cold, and so there were some. Some servants in the courtyard, they had built a little fire. They gathered around the little fire, and they were warming themselves. And Peter Peter was cold too, and so he gathered up close to the fire. And, and one time, somebody said, are you, are you one of the followers of that guy they just brought in? And Peter says, no, second denial. and then, And then there is another servant, warming himself by that little fire, and and he was in the garden when they arrested Jesus. He was actually, John tells us, he was related to Malchus, the guy that Peter cut his ear off. Now, I would imagine that there could be some anonymity for, if there's, you know, 12 dudes in the garden, and and the the folks go in to arrest Jesus, like, you know, Bartholomew may not have been really recognizable, but the guy that pulled out the sword, (laughs) right, the guy that pulled out the sword and cut something, like, everybody remembers that guy, and, and so, and so this friend, this relative of Malchus is like, didn't, didn't I just see you in the garden when we arrested him? And for the third time, Peter says, "No, I don't know him. Not me. Wasn't me. I don't know him." And then John to to uh, put a put a really fine point on things. He puts a really fine point on things, and he says, "As soon as Jesus, as Peter made that third denial of even knowing who Jesus was, the rooster crowed." He reminds us of what what Jesus had said earlier in the night that Jesus. Jesus saw it coming. Jesus saw it coming. And then it's as soon as the third denial is out of his mouth that the rooster crows. And Peter is reminded, Peter's reminded that Jesus saw it coming. Well, from from the denial, the third denial and the rooster crowing, we don 't know really what happened to peter we don 't john doesn 't tell us anything of of where he was during jesus 's trial and crucifixion he doesn't tell us what happened to the disciples on the Saturday between jesus 's crucifixion and Easter Sunday morning but on easter sunday morning uh, we we see on in John chapter twenty there's uh, jesus uh, Jesus's tomb is empty and Peter ran out to look but he didn't see Jesus and then a little while later all of the disciples were locked in the upper room and and Jesus appeared behind the locked door and and we understand that that's Peter's first sight of Jesus after after that night when he had betrayed or denied even knowing denied even knowing Jesus and then a week later Uh, it happens again that they're in the upper room, and Jesus appeared to Thomas that time. And and we talked about that story a few weeks ago, of Jesus appearing to Thomas and showing him his wounds. And so, then, it's kind (laughs) of quiet. Honestly, John, the the gospel of John kind of ends at John chapter 20. At at the end of John chapter 20, John writes about, like, why he wrote. He, He says that if everything that Jesus did was recorded, all of the books in the world couldn't hold it all. But these things, these specific things, have been written down so that you will believe in Jesus. And so these uh, specific things are recorded. John gives us this like really clear understanding of why he's written. And then, that's it. Uh, it should be it, right? You could just end it there. But thank God we have John chapter twenty one because there's there's more to the story and and this is sort of like like John just added a little a little more to the story a little extra extra piece it's like the credits are rolling and then you know there's one more scene oh by the way this also happened like check this out so so we get into John chapter twenty one I'm going to really be focusing uh, like after like John chapter 21, verse 15, but I'm going to read the first 14, the first 14 verses for you right now so we get a, a clear picture of what's happening. It says, Later, this is John 21, 1 through 14, Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. And they went out in the boat. But they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right. Hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple uh, Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about a hundred yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Verse 12, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Okay, this is the only time I'm going to say it. Why? Why didn't they dare to ask, and how did they know, and why why does John mention it? Why does he mention it if it's obviously Jesus? There's got to be something different. Or is it just because dead people don't raise again from the dead? Like, ah, that's it, I promise. So, verse 13, uh, Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. So, Peter's fishing trip. uh, We have no context of how much time has passed. Like we, traditionally Jesus ascended to heaven like 40 days after he was raised from the dead. So probably in that period of time. We know it was a week between appearing in the upper room and appearing again in the upper room according to John uh, so that Thomas can see see Jesus' wounds in John chapter 20. So somewhere in there, in all of the unaccounted for time, Jesus shows up and um and and he performs this miracle, uh, this sort of strange miracle. there's all qu- sorts of like weird passings and movings in jesus' time uh, and there's like the the not being recognized by the disciples on the way to Emmaus and then being recognized. but this is the only time that I can think of after the resurrection where Jesus does something like, like this type of miraculous. Like, there are no, there are no healings that we see after his resurrection. But this miraculous catch is sort of unique in, in the way that Jesus interacted with the world after his resurrection. And so the miraculous catch is, it's a miracle that happens here at the very end of his ministry in John chapter 21. There's another miracle of a miraculous catch in Luke chapter 5. It's, all, it's part of uh, Peter's being called. When, when Peter goes to Jesus and says, I'm too sinful, please go away, it was because Jesus had just caused this miraculous catch. There were so many fish. And there's, there's a lot of similarities and some differences in the ways the stories are told in Luke, the the nets uh, the nets begin to tear, but they don't tear. In John, um, in uh, in Luke, um, Peter Peter helps bring it all ashore and, and gets off the boat to say, "Go away from me." And but it the the stories are are very similar, um, very similar in how they re- affect Peter. And, and how Peter is, is sort of stirred by, by this miracle of a miraculous catch. You know, in John, when John tells of Peter being, being called, when John tells of Peter being called to be a disciple, John doesn't include any miracle. Uh, John doesn't give us, like, hardly any information about Peter before he was a follower of Jesus. There's no indication of all that he left behind. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, at, all three of them mention that Jesus called these fishermen, and he, he makes a little play on words, and he says, I'm going to teach you to fish for men. And so all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, talk about the switch, and, and they all three talk about how these fishermen disciples walked away from their boats and from their nets, from their means of making a living. They leave it behind to follow Jesus. It, the, the, those gospels talk about immediately they left behind. There, there's no like, wait a minute, Jesus, let me sell my boat. Uh, you know, it's not, <clears throat> they don't really like plan for the future when they decide to follow Jesus. They don't hedge their bets. They they don't hire somebody to watch over their, their stuff for them. They just walk away. They're just like, okay. Here we go, and so it's, um, it's this it's this amazing faith, and Peter's amazing faith that like jumps out at us and uh, and gets us gets us interested in him. And and so Peter Peter had left a lot and followed Jesus, and then uh, after the resurrection, Peter had these two opportunities. John tells us about these two opportunities. In Jerusalem, after, after Jesus' crucifixion, he had two opportunities to see the risen Jesus. He had two opportunities, and then apparently, he headed back to Galilee, to his hometown. And then apparently, in, in those very few weeks that followed Jesus' resurrection, he, uh, he makes the decision to go fishing. And I think it would be easy to, to think, well, fishing's fun. Like, maybe he's just going fishing. Maybe he's just like passing some time. And maybe, 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 he's like biding his time. He's waiting to see. Is Jesus going to show up? Uh, or, or until Jesus shows up with further instructions, like maybe, maybe he's just like taking a little bit, maybe he needed to make some money. Maybe he's like, okay, I gotta go just a night of fishing will will give me enough cash to to pay some bills. And maybe it's maybe it's that. But honestly, I think I think John includes this story. I think John includes this story because Peter's decision to go fishing was probably not just about occupying a little bit of time. Peter's decision to go fishing was probably not. It's probably not just about making a little dough so he can, he can pay some bills. I, I think Peter Peter had decided. well, I was a fisherman, and then I was a fisher of men, and I guess I'm, I guess that, that's over. I guess I'm a fisherman again. I guess I'll go back to what I knew. In, in in john twenty there's no there's no discussion of peter 's denial of even having known who Jesus was on the night of his his trial uh, and so there's still like some unfinished business when peter when Peter thinks about his relationship with jesus in those in those weeks after his resurrection, Peter remembers the last thing i did related to jesus was stand in the courtyard of the high priest and tell those people i don't even know who he is and, and so i think i think there's a good chance i think there's a good chance that peter made the decision to go fishing because he was he was trying to figure out what was next for him he was he was ready. He had he had followed Jesus for for those years. Now Jesus wasn't around anymore. What's left for Peter except to go back to the life he knew before he he followed Jesus. And then as he's fishing, Jesus shows up on the shore. <laughs> and, and Peter Peter always leads with emotion, right? It's always like he can't. He can't haul the net in. <laughs> he he believes it's Jesus on the shore. And so forget the fish. Forget the guys he's working with. He as soon as, as the disciple Jesus loved told him it's the Lord, uh, he is in the water getting to Jesus. Peter Peter leading with emotion. I I wonder if if he just mm. I wonder if it's just that he can't, he can't risk, he just can't risk that Jesus might not be there if he takes enough time to haul the net in. He can't risk, he can't risk that Jesus might walk the other way if, if he, if he rows the boat ashore. He, he can't risk it. He's got to go get Jesus. He's I, I kind of think that he, he has in mind, I'm just going to grab him and I'm not going to let him go. I need him around. I got to follow him. And, and so he, he immediately, he jumps off the boat and he heads to Jesus as quickly as he can. And from John's portrayal of the whole thing, Jesus is just like super casual, right? He's just super laid back. Uh, he just, he can't, I don't know, he's just so, just cooking there on the beach, right? He's cooking over a charcoal fire. That's interesting because that fire that the people were warming themselves with in the courtyard of the high priest, it, John mentioned specifically, it was a charcoal fire. Jesus made that beach, kitchen, smell just like it smelled in the courtyard where where Peter denied knowing who Jesus was. And, and Peter shows up and... And then we get get into it in verse 15. Congratulations, you have made it through the introduction of this sermon. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks for hanging on. I think almost everybody's still awake. We're doing great. So then in John chapter 21, verse 15, we... we here it is. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you... do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. John is just an amazing author. He is a master at his craft, and so he he puts all of these elements together just so perfectly, and uh, you know I could really make this passage suffer. I could really, really <laughs> examine it until it just bled every drop it has in its body. Um, but I'm not going to dig into the Greek. I'm not going to talk about you. Maybe you have heard the sermon uh, about the difference between agape love and the brotherly love, and a, a better preacher can preach that for you someday, but I'm just going to take you to what interests me, because what interests me is the smell of a charcoal fire. What interests me is, is the confluence of three denials and three opportunities for Peter to say, yes, Lord, I love you. For Peter, on the third time the question is asked to be hurt, It hurts. It hurts to be questioned a third time. Did you not hear me the first two times, Jesus? Yes, I love you. See, Peter... Peter was always so important, right? He's always so important. And then... On the night that Jesus maybe needed him most, on that worst of nights, Peter can't be bothered to acknowledge that he knows Jesus. He is rocky upon whom the church is built. And so it would be easy, it would be easy for the whole world to look at Peter and say, you blew it. When the stakes were highest, you let Jesus down. It would be easy for us to say that is completely disqualifying. Peter is no longer worthy of the title. He has disqualified himself. Even Peter's decision to go fishing, even Peter's decision to go fishing might be disqualifying. He had been called to fish for people. He was no longer a fisherman, and he decided, I'm going to go fishing. And so when Peter himself probably thought he was disqualified, he he had gone back to the life he knew before Jesus came up that beach and called him to fish for people. And as he's in the water, and you can imagine the frustrating night not having caught anything. I'm not much of a fisherman, I know what it's like to get skunked. And it's not fun. Long night, Jesus calls to him from the beach. He, he redeems a bad night of fishing, right? <laughs> and he cooks him he cooks breakfast. And he puts Peter back into his place in the church. Peter blew it. Peter blew it. He denied even knowing who Jesus was. Jesus said, Feed my lambs, Peter. You're the one I trust to take care of this this flock of mine. You are the one. You have been called. Feed my sheep, Peter. And as, as Jesus is restoring him and giving him back his position, he has a few more words for him. We read in verse 18, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. So, uh, <laughs> Peter is, is put back into his position. He's, he is restored. He's given opportunity. Three times he, he denied, and three times he says he loves Jesus. And three times Jesus tells him, take your position in my church. Be one who feeds my lambs. And then uh, Jesus he doesn't just, like, come with a delicious fish sandwich and say, everything's okay. <laughs> everything's going to be okay. It's, it's all all right. He actually says, now you're ready to really follow me, Peter. And it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to be easy. What I've called you to is a hard life. What I've called you to is to following me and I went to the cross. He says to to Peter, follow me. No matter what. No matter what. You're not going to be able to choose your own direction. You're not going to get to be real comfortable. But follow me. It is time. Follow me, Peter. Put down the nets once and for all. Follow me. Let's go. Wherever I call you, follow me. So, it begs the question: Have you ever felt disqualified? <laughs> uh, I think we all can relate to those moments where, where we have been disqualified. Uh, it's been from our own heart, <laughs> the feelings we felt inside. We said. Do I even know who Jesus is that I could feel this way? Or the words we let fly when we, we wanted to keep it in. We should have kept it in. When we, when we crossed that line and we, we did what we, we said we would never, ever do. We just, we were Disqualified. Some of us have been disqualified by other people. We've been rejected. We've been told, no, not you. You are not it. It's not, it's not your fault. <laughs> it's not your fault if you've been rejected. You can't keep someone from rejecting you. Sometimes we are rejected. Sometimes other people disqualify us, even if they don't have the right they say you are not good enough you are not the right one may peter's story remind us that jesus was right there when you were disqualified he remembered the smells and the sights he remembered how it hurt you. He remembers your frustration and your shame. Jesus saw your tears. And Peter's Peter's story reminds us that Jesus does show up. And he and he does set things right. It's not always on our time frame, right? Sometimes it's so long after we need it that we just about have given up. Or we have. We've said, that's it. I'm going fishing again. I'm going back to whatever it was. I I must have been wrong. I must have been wrong. We give up. We go go on and... And it's when we finally give up that Jesus shows up and he says, It's okay. Eat some breakfast. It's going to be all right. But Peter's story reminds us that he doesn't just show up with breakfast, right? He shows up with these words Follow me. Follow me. It may be a winding path, but follow me. You're probably going to fail again, but follow me. This is not the last time you are going to need to be restored, but follow me. This is a powerful truth in all of our lives individually. We all must remember. We all have times individually where we have felt disqualified. We've not been enough. Where we've made the wrong decision. But boy, if as a church, if as a body of believers, we could say, I'm going to follow. The world wants to disqualify us right now. We live in a world that has very little interest in, in uh, who we are as believers. We, uh, and we've done it to ourselves in a lot of ways. We occasionally fail to live out the joy and peace and hope and love that we have in our hearts in the world around us. We have disqualified ourselves as our leaders have fallen, prominent believers. We've disqualified ourselves by all kinds of of silly things that we have made more important than the gospel of Jesus Christ. But as believers, if we would say, I've blown it. I have not been enough. I will follow Jesus. Man, how could we change the world? How could we change the LC Valley? We live in a legacy of a hundred years of men and women who have been disqualified, a hundred years of Nazarenes that have come through this building and this congregation who, who have blown it, who have made mistakes. But have stuck around long enough to say, okay, I will follow him. And so this morning, I'd invite you to join us. Let us come together. Let us come together and confess that we need to be restored. We need the Lord's restoring love. We need God's comfort. But we don't need to wallow in our need for it. <laughs> we we can enjoy the restoration that Jesus gives. And we can follow. We can go and we can do what God has called us to be in our world. So, why don't we spend a little time in prayer this morning? We have a long time until two, and I promise you'd be done by two. Why don't we spend a little time in prayer and invite the Lord to lead us, to lead us so that we can follow wherever it may be that he would call. We stand, um, I don't know if, with COVID, if we can open the altar, but if you'd like to be in this place, you are welcome, but I'm just going to pray for a few minutes and guide you in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we love you. We love you, Lord. We love that you know the moments of our failure. Uh, We love that we can, many of us have moments in our lives, Lord. That we can look back on and we can remember what it was like to be disqualified. Whether it was someone rejecting us and we chased after them, or someone rejected us and we gave up. Or or if it was our own stupid words in a moment where we let fly and shouldn't have. Or if it was our own frustrating actions and we did that thing we never wanted to do. And Lord, we thank you that you know how we felt. You know the tears we cried. You know the frustration we lived. You were with us even when we didn't realize that you were with us. You held us when we didn't know that we needed your sustaining arm. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters here who are just about at the point of giving up are just about tired of waiting to be restored. God, I pray that you would come even now to their hearts to remind them that you saw that you hurt with them that you felt what they felt. And Lord, we come to you now as a body. As a body of folks who, who at times we blow it. We don't do what's right. We know what's right. We make mistakes. And Lord, we really want to be a people who bring honor to you in our world. We really want to be a reflection of your love and goodness to our community, to our state, and to our world. We really want to be the men and women who have decided that we will follow no matter what. And Lord we would like to follow you together so that as a congregation as a body we can do we can do more than we could ever imagine as individuals and so God we come to your presence now recognizing our utter dependence upon you knowing that we will be nothing in this world without you. And we give up our self-pity. We give up, Lord, our desire to wallow in our disqualification. And we give you permission, Lord, to stretch our, our hand to take us where you will. Here we are as a congregation, Lord, ready to follow, to be the men and women that you've called us to be. And here, Lord, are my brothers and sisters, ready to follow. Will you speak to their hearts? Will you guide them? Will you give them hope and direction? As we go from this place, Lord, I ask. I ask, God, that you would encounter my brothers and sisters this week. As they seek your face, would you empower them to know your love and mercy toward them? And will you give them the will, Lord, to follow you. Oh God, we love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.